Well, all right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. That's right. It's the Lost Treasures Podcast. I'm your host, John Scheel. And I am Adam Means. That's right. We're here because of you. So thank each and every one of you for tuning in. Before we begin, let's give a quick shout out to one of our sponsors, J. Arthur Scheel and Associates. That is my law firm. So if you are a creative entrepreneur looking to protect your brilliant ideas, well, we have just the solution for you. Definitely an entertainment and media law firm leading in this space. We're here to help tell your story with empathy and trust. So, if you're ready to take your creative endeavors to new heights while ensuring your intellectual property and assets are secure, visit www.jasalegal.com today. Schedule a consultation with their experienced team and unleash the full potential of your creativity. That's what I did with John Scheel. <laughs> well, and we're happy to have him. We're happy to have you on board there's obviously been a delay. We had some holidays, and also last time we were here, we were talking about Adam's quest to find the lost treasure in Eden Park. And Adam, uh, we did get the right of entry permit, but I yep. know you're frustrated. Tell me about it. <laughs> it's not so much frustration more than it is a little bit, but there's been a lot mm. of... Uh, yeah, I had is. to have a lot of patience in the, all this, you know? It is a little bit frustrating. Well, it's just a back and forth with the city, and it is. It's totally true. It's, you know, if somebody would have told me, uh, you know, 17 months ago that I would be here in 17 months, you know, it would be uh, hard for me to believe, but that's where we're at. And I just keep moving things forward. You know, I take advice from uh, yourself, John, but also Shane. And so it's little steps but, you know, I've, I've got a nice little end goal in mind here coming up, hopefully in the spring. So so let me throw some radical empathy out there. Let's just envision ourselves in the mind of a city manager. Mm -hmm. You and I, Adam, are probably not even on his radar. Very low yeah. on the totem pole. <laughs> so it's obviously uh, early December here when this podcast is airing. And I know that the city of Cincinnati just went through a big election. There was a uh, sale of a railroad uh, oh, that, nice. that went through. So... Lots and lots of um, effort put into that, deciding what way they were going to go with it. I think they ultimately, the voters voted to sell the railroad. So oh, nice. there's going to be some influx of cash and there's a budgeting process and there's probably probably a million and one other things <laughs> ahead of you on this right. plate. It's okay. How, however, however... Uh, just so that everyone who's listening can understand, when you're on a quest, you're going to have some ups and some downs and some setbacks and time and the delay seems to be the greatest setback for Adam. Is that right? Adam? Um, yeah. In, in a certain way, you know, I didn't getting into this, I didn't you know, know the process and it's still a learning process, this whole thing. Uh, it's definitely good for me as an individual to, you know, just being able to establish a type of patience and understand that, okay, my team and the guys that I'm working with, you know, yourself and Shane, you guys know what you're doing. I just try to push the envelope once in a while, but at the same time, I have plenty of things to focus on too. Well, and I was going to say that in the meantime, you're focused on some other treasures that are out there mm -hmm. and you're researching a bunch of them. Are there any that you can tell us a little bit about? Uh, the biggest one that you know I've mentioned before on this is the 1755 stuff up in Northeast Ohio. That's like my big number two goal that I want to go after. Yeah. So I'm super excited to get that going. It's well, just... Tell us about that story. What's the story? What is... What? French and the British... Yeah, oh. French and the British, yeah. So up in Fort Duquesne and trying to take some treasure from 
uh, Fort Duquesne, which is Pittsburgh, um, and get it away from the British. And so I, I, I was very intrigued by that story right out of the gate. There's at least, you know, between seven and 10 different stories that I found in books and articles. And it really like right away got me into it. And that was very relevant because I think one of the latest stories was from, I think it was like 1851, John, something like that. Now, weren't you contacted recently by someone else in the podcasting world about this particular story? Um, yes, I think so. They were, they were more um, individuals up in that area of Northeast Ohio that their families had. They had a, they had passed the story along through generations and so I had two p- different people email me, you know, asking about it. And I just, I've put it off a little bit because the Cincinnati project has been uh, so in, you know, it's pretty intense, all the stuff that's going on, especially being at, you know, we're at the third permit right now. And so now it's, you know, we have certain deadlines on that permit and it's really just getting everything right and getting every everybody on board the right way to move forward for the excavation. But like we're seeing with this wonderful weather out here, John, like (laughs) nobody is going to want to go outside and dig anything right now. Yeah. But it might, you know, like I was telling you, I have some, some goals in mind and I think that's going to happen. It's just got to go through the process. Now, would you say that this would be a good time? Um, First of all, let me back up a second and say that uh, obviously our listeners are listening. So that's great. So people are reaching out and contacting Adam uh, directly for some stories on some things. And, Mm -hmm. And that's great. We want to encourage that. So if you've got a story of a lost treasure, Definitely email us. Oh, yeah. Um, do you have the email address? Yes. My uh, email is losttreasuresam at gmail.com. It's very easy. Well, that's really cool. So the other thing is during this, we're we're obviously starting the winter season, and winter season is, is tough for going outside and digging, but it's certainly great for going into the library or contacting folks who have stories of lost treasures. Yep. Uh, so we want to encourage you to email Adam and go to your local library and take a look at some things. Oh, yeah. We are definitely going to be doing that in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that the winter is good for is a little bit of a review. So if you haven't been paying attention to the world of archaeology, uh, there's massive discoveries that the that have occurred in 2023 that archaeologists are just now back at their desks and they're able to write about. <laughs> yep. So we're seeing this uh, sort of data dump out there on the news mm-hmm. of things that were found maybe this summer or in the past year. Yep. And now we're starting to get some of the full story. So this is a great time to do some reading yep. if you're and that's, so inclined. And that's exactly what I was going to say about the winter too. So uh, kind of my little process, 80% of what I did was research. So I wasn't out in the field every single day. I was researching before I went out in the field to make it more efficient. So that was the goal, trying to figure out ways to make this more efficient without expending tons of energy. And I think people have it somewhat backwards. You know, just go out and look. What are you looking for, right? Right. Where are you looking at? What are the laws that? So, you know, part of what I think myself and you are going to do, John, is we're going to you know, create a little roadmap for some of this stuff, like create a, a process or show people a little bit of, you know, how I did some of this. And so that's kind of my goal for December too. That's really great. That may mean that in quarter one of 2024, you may have some additional things that you might be able to offer out oh, yeah. there on the mm-hmm. website and on the Facebook pages. 
I love uh, helping people out too. That's one of the things, you know, I, I, I love doing that when I was personal training, whether it was outside of my time that I was getting paid for it or inside of my time, I try to help people no matter what. And so I want to involve like the community and different people. And so, you know, the 1755 stuff, it will really be about involving the community there and really trying to tie it into, uh, you know, some of the people that have families that have been going through this stuff or, or listening or learning about this stuff for 200 plus years. So. Again, cultural patrimony is passed down from generation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. And I know that you and I, when we were talking offline, we were talking about involving the family and involving kids. Mm -hmm. And apparently there was a story from 2016 that has been blowing up on TikTok very recently about a double printed 1969 penny mm-hmm. that uh, approximate worth of 30, 30 to forty thousand dollars. Yeah, for um, one penny, unbelievable. Yeah. So, if you are interested in lost treasures, maybe uh, the one place to start is your lost change drawer. Right. <laughs> Everybody's got one, right? Yeah. So, uh, one of the things though, you and I were talking about this. Yeah. The this penny. Um, doesn't look like it's super valuable at first glance. And then you go look at it. And sure enough, as I showed you right before we started, and we'll put some photos on Instagram uh, about this particular penny, but really, truly amazing that it it was a double print and you can definitely see it. In, In numismatic news, they wrote about it, which... For you numismatists out there, (laughs) we're going to throw that word around a lot. Numismatics is the study of coinage, and it goes way back to, gosh, China. Oh, yeah, long time ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, But just so we can touch on this this modern Liberty uh, penny here, the the 1969 uh, penny, this eight-year-old pulled it out of his pocket and... It was an extremely fine 1969S double-die Lincoln cent, which he had picked out from the change. So the Liberty, the word Liberty was actually double-stamped. So cool. Um, And you can see it a little bit, a little bit of blurring in the In God We Trust above Lincoln's head. You really got to look, too. Yeah, you got to look at it, but it's very unique. And I thought that was kind of ties into all this other stuff that we're doing. Just another lost treasure. Unbelievable! It's sort of um, building wealth through through uh, coinage, which it could be compared to lottery tickets. But yeah, um, mm-hmm. it's definitely a fun uh, fun challenge that if you've got some change, you can check out. Um, it's it is really very unique yes. uh, to find something like yes. this. And there's a bunch of uh, bicentennial quarters that came out in like the early 2000s that have some good value too. Hmm. And so I kind of compare it to. Uh, a misprinted baseball card or something like that, you know? So you have these coins that have been, you know, printed the or died the wrong way, and then, then you get extra value out of it. Yeah. Pretty neat. Now, as we were talking, we're seeing news stories that are that are coming out all the time about yep. stuff that have been found, and this is the time when, when archaeologists have a little more time to write about it. So what did you find on the uh, Chinese coinage? Oh, yeah. So the, you know, speaking off of uh, more coins... So there was over 100,000 ancient coins found hidden, um, and this was in Maebeshi City, Japan. So some construction workers were opening a new factory, and they found over 100,000 coins in 1,060 bundles of those. And according to researchers, an analysis of 334 of those coins, um, pretty much a remarkable di- diversity encompassing 44 distinct currency types. 
And I thought that was super unique. And my whole thing was also the age of these coins. And so I think one of the oldest they found goes back to 175 BC. And I thought that was neat. So this has been out. I think it came out about a month ago, but just another like unique find of some ancient coins. And so I love all the old stuff. Now the, these coins that were found, they were found in Japan, but they were actually a mix of Japanese and Chinese. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And they, they, they haven't analyzed all the coins. So there could be some coins that are far older, but they had a nice range on there. And I, I think it was somewhere in that. Uh, let me see here real quick. Uh, some from 118 BC to 175 BC. Um, and then they also had some from 1265 as well. So a whole range of old, old coins in there. I thought that was neat. And does it say the different, uh, different dynasties or, or governmental yeah, entities? Yeah, it gave, were... it gave a couple of the dynasties. So one was the uh, Han dynasty and then the Song dynasty. So a nice little range between those two. Um, the Song dynasty had lost control over its northern territory and the resulting uh, retreat off the Yangtze River of the new capital of Lian. Um, according to another announcement by the May Beshi city government, the coins were likely hidden for security uh, during the Kamakura Jadi, a period that marks the governance by the Kamakura sh- Shogun in AD 1192. Hmm. So somebody was again hiding something, and then we find it, you know, thousands of years later. I think it's interesting that there is still this horde of coins that are from mainland China that are found in, in Japan. Japan. I know. I thought that was unique and that's why I wanted to talk about it. So, you know, I send you like 10 of these all the time. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I like to send you stuff, but it gives us more stuff to talk about. And I only send it if it's, I think it's relevant. Well, I think that it would, what's interesting is the first news article you sent me referenced that gentleman in Norway. Like there was a link yeah. in the first paragraph of the, the Japanese yeah coinage hoard found mm-hmm. where it was saying um by the way remember the the um the hoard that was found uh in norway which is which is uh, again back to the the guy who whose doctor told him just to get some <laughs> go get, get some, some activity yeah, man. Get yeah some go out activities <laughs> again sweet out. hobby really yeah. sweet hobby <laughs> talk about a reward um un- unbelievable but we're we're seeing all of this stuff just in the past few months and um you know, there's there's actually a really great uh, Wikipedia page that has all of 2023 and some of the highlights. I mean, there is stuff excavations. We could talk about all these for like a day. For yeah, all. we could literally <laughs> so go many. through. But there were excavations done in England and in Scotland, and of course in Egypt. Uh, and goodness, there's just been so much stuff that have been found. Yep. Um, all the way through this this Wikipedia Almost article, all over the place I, too. I think it's really interesting when you're seeing some of this stuff, and it's like in a place that nobody expected it to be. Nope. Like in Scotland, where that young man digging in a garden or whatever found an Egyptian. Oh yeah. Statue. Yeah, I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Yeah, I now, thought that was. Unique. I did a little bit of reading. It may have been one of the owners of the property. Oh nice. Uh, who. At a certain time, his family thought that there was a curse from Egyptian artifacts. So they put it in a shed, <laughs> and the shed, I guess, had wow. fallen over or fallen into disrepair and mm-hmm. kind of like bulldozed or something. Uh-huh. And so it was actually 
just his family members, uh, his like wife and sisters and daughters, they all were yeah. spooked by this stuff that this Lord had brought back from his travels and they shoved it out back in the garage, basically. <laughs> and, uh, Storage and, area. Yeah. So that, I thought that was pretty fascinating, but they, they still don't know exactly when or where or how it would have gotten there. But I find that to be really, really fascinating. Yeah. Finding something from Egypt and, you know, over in, I think England or the UK or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Pretty neat. Well, and one of the, that reminds me of one of the other things that you and I think were, maybe we didn't exchange text messages on this one. I know mm-hmm. we, we send a lot, but mm-hmm. there were, there's an analysis of the trees of Northern North America mm-hmm. and the trees that are in some of the areas in Denmark and Finland. And there's this genetic study of trees that shows that there were Vikings that were oh yeah, I saw creating ships that. and things, yeah. uh, building things and bringing trees and growing trees yeah. in nice. areas. So nice. it's just really interesting to see the layers of history from oh, yeah. human interaction with the, the natural world. Just fascinating. Oh yeah. And there was, you know, going back to some of the coin stuff we were talking about in the, uh, in, in England, actually, this is like one of the first stories I sent to you, like I think two weeks ago, right before Thanksgiving was going on. And so a family was renovating their kitchen and they thought they'd hit a electrical line because they saw a little bit of yellow. Turns out they uh, found about $850,000 worth of gold coins in their kitchen. You're kidding me. No. What? That was pretty sweet. And Where that, was that's this? That's what the sale, sale price was. That was in uh, North Yorkshire, England. Oh, my um, And so, you know, it, it kind of gives some different pictures. But when they went to um, they went to auction these off, it made like 852000 So I think they're going to have a nice kitchen now. So Unbelievable. Yeah, I would say their kitchen just paid for the whole property. Yeah, and most of those coins, it looks like, were um, somewhere between 1610 to 1727 under the reign of King James I and King George I. I thought that was sweet. So you have a, like a, a huge span of time there that something was not only buried, but built over and then found again. Unreal. Yeah, pretty Unreal. neat. Pretty neat. Yeah. Now, I know we've talked about a, a bunch of the things that are actually on this archaeology, 2023 in archaeology on Wikipedia. We talked about the Etruscan tomb in Volci. We talked about the Roman forts, 396 previously unknown Roman forts discovered in Upper Mesopotamia based on satellite images. Yep. Um, and then a 2,700-year-old alabaster sculpture uh, in the... Um, in in Iraq, mm-hmm. um, we had talked about that. Yep. Fascinating stuff. But it's just amazing. Every year, people are out there digging and finding stuff. Oh, yeah. All yeah. the time. And not even on purpose, right? Like they're just renovating their house or kids playing out in the yard. You know, these things that are found by accident, you know, could change pieces of history. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. Truly amazing stuff. It goes back to what we were always talking about, John. We, you know, we don't have a huge handle on our past. And so finding all these things just raises a lot of questions. So how did that Egyptian stuff get there? That's all. Well, <laughs> that and sweet. one of the things that I, that I love about this discussion is that it's an ongoing discussion that sort of brings a little bit of magic and mystery back into the yeah. world. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that we are getting listenership from all over the place, including 
the Detecting History podcast. Yeah, Katie. But, yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, she's so, very consistent. Way better at social media than I am. So we can take <laughs> some tips, <laughs> tips from her for sure. But hopefully, we'll be able to cross pollinate our podcast listeners yeah. with hers and listen to the Detecting History podcast. If you haven't checked it out, we're yeah. going to definitely reach out to them and see if they want to be on an episode. Yeah. And who are some of the other guests you've been reaching out to? I know um, so there is a guy on Instagram, Arizona Treasure Hunter uh, Cody. So we're at some point going to have him on and you know we're going to try to keep extending this uh, list of professionals but also amateurs in the realm and I still consider myself an amateur but at the same time um, I think I'm pretty good at what I'm able to do I just I enjoy it I just want to go on to the next one so <laughs> that's I'm definitely keeping my patience in wraps you know I'm just trying to like been 17 months so i'm ready for number two can you feel it folks he, he says oh no i'm not frustrated as he rubs his palms together and trust me i enjoy it but at the same time you know we're still making it about the story but yeah i know there's an end to this rainbow too so now as the lawyer of the bunch I, I have to remind everybody that the reason why adam is not just going out there with a pickaxe and a shovel is because we are looking at items that are potentially cultural patrimony. Exactly they could right. be owned by the city. They are certainly on the park that mm -hmm. although it was a privately owned piece of property for many, many years before it became a park, yep. it's been a park for quite some time. 1859. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's now really property of the city. Yep. And it's theirs and that's part of it. Like, and I understand that like it's on their ground. If I'm finding something at your house, John, what's yours? And so you, you have to abide by what they say and what they do. And so we're just working through the channels and it's really paperwork, phone call, email, paperwork, phone call, email, but a place, there's going to be a place um, in time where action takes place and that'll be the excavation. Now I want to ask our listeners a question because I think that this brings it kind of into focus mm -hmm. when you're looking at, um, the maps and you're looking at stories and, and if you find a lead that leads you to private property, in this case, you found something that's on public property, but yes. there's an entity and a distinct entity that you can communicate with about this. And yes. there's a process by which you can go through and get right of entry permits, et cetera. But what does the audience think? And I, if, if you're listening to this and you hear this, I want you to send Adam a note and I want you to contact us on social media. Find us on the Lost Treasures podcast. Find us on, on the Lost Treasures Facebook or Instagram and send us a note. If you knew that there was a piece of gold or some sort of lost treasure found or, or find a bowl on someone else's property, how would you go about approaching that? Good question. And, and the flip side, mm -hmm. if you were the property owner and someone approached you and said, I think that there is a buried treasure on your property, I'll split it with you if you let me come in there and, and look, mm -hmm. would you do it? Would you go for it? Good question. I think... Everybody should answer this question yeah. on both sides. Yeah. Like if you were the property owner, now what about you, Adam? If you were the property owner and someone came to you and said, all right, let's, I I think that the treasure of the Incas is uh, is under your house. Uh -huh. Okay. The, the, I don't know, the temple gold or the lost menorah from the second temple of Jerusalem or something is like buried under your house. Great moral dilemma, John. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what would you do? Would you, would you say, uh, well, I'm going to dig it up myself? Or That's a good question. You know, I'm, I put myself in the opposite place. Like, you know, would I, re would I approach this person in this house and how would they think of this? I've never put it in my own. You know, I would probably, like right now, I'd look for it. 
<laughs> you would. I would look yeah. for it right away. Why not? But Depends what, on how much acreage I have too, and if you know if they knew exactly where it was. But at the same time, I am a pretty giving person too, so I would be happy splitting it with somebody. So if someone came to you and said, "Listen, what's the value we're, of we're it?" We're going to do you know? all the work. Mm-hmm. We're going to go in there. We're going to make it, and and when we're done, it won't even look like anything has happened. Fifty fifty. Fifty fifty. That's what you. I do fifty fifty. Mm-hmm. Okay. If they found it. I could split it with them. Is it more than I have now? Yep, I'd split it with them. I think I would too. Yeah, to be honest, mm-hmm. I'd give some back to the city too. That was found to create something to protect it and show people and you know drive attention and kind of create that community feel in it too. And that's kind of what I want to do with some of this stuff too. Now that you mention it, I would probably have that stipulation as well. I would. Yeah. It, it depends on what it was. If it was just cash, uh, right. then that was like splittable and it wasn't you know wasn't like you know, a lost statue of something yeah. historically mm-hmm. significant or something, then I think I would, I would just say, let's just split the money. It, and, it, and honestly, only because I'm so busy with everything else. I don't have time <laughs> don't to go digging around. That. Yeah, yeah I, don't, right. I really don't. Like, it goes back to what you're saying too, about like cultural patrimony. I, if I find something that belongs to a different country, they're getting it back. That's how I'm going to do it. That's how I'm going to do all this. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, Adam just stepped into one of the oldest controversies <laughs> that has been still going, going on. on it's today. still going on today. I, I was looking at recent, like November 29th I articles uh, in, in some science, science magazines, and the concept of the repatriation of the Greek Elgin marbles. They're called the Elgin marbles. Yeah. Yeah. We just brought this up again. Now I know we talked about this a couple podcast episodes ago, but this is something that I don't know that Americans uh, can really wrap their minds around. I think British people have this perception that it's been in the British museum for so long that, um, that it's, it's part of the, the cultural patrimony of, of Britain, of, of mm-hmm. London now, mm-hmm. right? But there are certainly folks in Greece who feel like any piece of sculptural artifacts that used yeah. to be clearly were, were part of the Acropolis yeah. uh, need to go back to the Greeks for their own museum. So that's an interesting thing. So yeah. you're you're on the side of repatriating cultural patrimony. Is what I, it I have like. to be because it's not doesn't belong in the United States. Like if it belongs to somebody else, like I'll be happy to show it off to you, but it's really not mine. It's somebody else's, and so I have no problem giving stuff back to people, and that's what I plan on doing. Okay, now flip this around. If you were from <laughs> Britain and you grew up going and looking at these things in the museum, that's a good question, John. I don't know how I'd answer it. I really don't. I yeah. really don't. Like it's tough. Like it, there's. An, we're just talking about the stuff that's, you know, in museums. What about the black market stuff? You well, know, that's a whole nother ball of wax, right? Yeah. That I think opens up a whole other I can know, of worms. I know. I, so I that's think a whole nother podcast. Right there. It probably is. I think, I think for me, stolen if, antiquities, you know, if it's stolen antiquities, there's a duty and an obligation to repatriate. I agree. But, but then again, we go right back to the Elgin marbles because yep. Lord Elgin paid for them, but who did he pay? I think he paid some Turks for them and the Turks were occupying Greece at the time mm-hmm. and it just goes back to a whole sticky can of worms yep. um, and I, I don't I, I can freely say that as an American I don't think that we totally understand all of that our country no. is so young no we um, don't we don't I don't think we have a clue actually and most of our stuff like if you go to the Met and you're you're in New York City and you're visiting and you're seeing these things you can be pretty sure that all of this stuff is is has been 
gotten by the museum in a legitimate fashion. Yeah. There's not like a an underlying right. tremendous controversy. Right. But right. please, listeners, if you know of something at the Met that shouldn't be there, <laughs> let me know because maybe I'm wrong on this. You were just there, weren't you? Yeah, I was. Uh, um, it, it is fascinating, and I do think that we have an obligation to put things back. But there's the other side of the argument is really, well, I, I wouldn't have seen this... Egyptian artifact had it not been in New York City because I, right. I've never been to Egypt. It's a good point. Yeah. It's a good point. Yeah. Now, I would love to go. Mm-hmm. One day we should go. I know. We, we should, should take our listeners day. and do a, be a podcast from I know. a hotel awesome. in Cairo. That would be awesome. Right? Oh, I'd love to see the pyramids, man. That just looks... And the Sphinx and all that. You know, that's a whole nother level of stuff, but I would love to see that and I would totally go. Totally. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think we're all going to see a little bit of Egypt uh, getting attacked by Napoleon in a couple of weeks here. Uh, the Joaquin Phoenix Napoleon oh, yeah, that movie good. is coming out. I think out. it just came out. Yeah. It? I don't know. Now, there's. I saw some TikToks going around about the historical accuracy. Uh, what did they say? Well, so there is some controversy, uh, but the movie does, depicts Napoleon firing upon some of these um, these things, the the pyramids and, oh, and the okay. Sphinx okay. Uh, that apparently didn't happen quite that way. And th- although they did, um, they did do some damage. I don't think it's nearly the way it's depicted in the movie. And mm-hmm. what one of the historians on TikTok talked about was the ethnographic study that was done by the French gotcha. the invading army mm-hmm. brought um, a ton of scientists, artists, painters, professional artists who captured what is widely regarded as one of the first and best ethnographic studies of Egypt of, of that time period or any time period they captured, they drew, you know, all of the various costumes of the folks that they met. Mm -hmm. They, they took very careful study of all of the people and their, Mm -hmm. their dress and their manner of speaking and their language and their just tons of stuff that uh, was captured in great detail uh, by a group of, artisans and and uh, professionals nice. who Napoleon brought with him which mm-hmm. is sort of uh, of course it's not great the conquest part of it but certainly brought a lot of knowledge back to the western uh, western European right. folks that would never have learned about that yeah. had it not been for that gotcha of course we wish it would have been under peaceful circumstances but yeah but mm-hmm. anyway we're going to see that <laughs> we're going to see Egypt getting uh, getting shot at in the movie apparently nice Interesting. Yeah. I, I've, I've heard good things so far about that movie, so I might have to check that out. I have too, and that's sort of an, they should pay us for that. So. <laughs> Do a review. <laughs> right. If you're, if you're listening to this podcast uh, and you I'll know anyone on the Napoleon movie, you tell them we mentioned you, and uh, they can send checks to Adam. At, uh, what was the email again, Adam? LostTreasuresAM at Gmail. That's Super right. easy. That's right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been super fun. We hope that you're tuning in and getting a lot of value. We hope we're bringing some magic to your world. Definitely. We want to hear about your lost treasures. We're going to take a break for station identification, and we will be right back. We really appreciate each and every one of you tuning in. Thanks so much. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been another episode of the Lost Treasures Podcast. I'm John Scheel. I am Adam Means. And we want to thank our sponsor, J. Arthur Scheel & Associates, the law firm for the creative entrepreneur. JASALegal.com for anybody that's interested. John's a great guy, awesome to work with. 
And we want to thank all of our listeners in the UK and Canada. We've got quite a bunch of them. Yep. And then I want to thank all of my friends, family who have listened, Iowa, Ohio, and Florida. Thanks again for all the support and people that have believed in me since the beginning. There you go, folks. Tune in next week for more from the Lost Treasures podcast. We'll be back. We hope to see you here next week.